BBCC episode 90, my realization of the day. The movie we're talking about today takes place in the early 1990s and is referred to as Super Dark Times. Uh, I have to imagine if they made a sequel to this set in the modern day, it would have to be called Super Duper Dark Times. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Bloody Blind Cinema Club, a podcast very high on horror. I am your host, Garrett McDowell. Sitting across from me, it's Devon Taylor. Hello, hello. We're back. We are back. And uh, I was curious if our realizations were possibly going to link up. Mm -hmm. um, Because I noticed uh, this is two films in a row of boys coming of age stories involving swords. It's true. Uh, very, very obvious, but hey, what are you going to do? You know, boys are going to sword fight, you know? That's, <laughs> boys that's... will be boys. Um, I think it's funny that you, even though I do, uh, for this month at least, I'm doing the uh, realizations that you just do on. Is it out of habit? Is it is it an impulse thing? <laughs> uh, I, hadn't, I hadn't been doing it for uh, these previous episodes, but for this one specifically, I was like, I wonder if we would happen to have the same idea because that was like the first thing that... Uh, I thought of it, but uh, yeah, we are in some super duper dark times yes, right now. Yeah, we don't like get like a proper sword fight in this. They, the, I think it's it's one sword and then something else. So uh, there's some definitely some dueling going on. But I will say, not to spoil my thoughts on this movie, uh, the sword the sword action in this works way more for me in this movie than it did by the movie that we talked about last week. Yeah, but yeah, Garrett wasn't feeling the sword fight, and Daniel isn't real. Hey, but was, you know, it was not about it. I I'm glad that we talked about it. I got my feelings out of the way and it was glad that we were able to have a guest uh to talk about um last week but unfortunately we do not have a guest this week our guest uh they decided they didn't want to come on the show anymore they're no. like we're, no no thanks they said, guys they said you know what your guys show is cool but i got better things to do That's like right. being sick in bed <laughs> uh shout out to billy ray he will be on a uh, on another episode in the future but it worked out perfectly because honestly not for billy ray's well, got not COVID. For- <laughs> <laughs> Out so well for Billy Ray, um, no, um, because uh, he he was a an extra guest for the the month because we had happened to uh pick the same movie because this was gonna be my movie if we were gonna just record just the two of us and, yeah, and that ended up being uh, the way that happened with super dark times and uh you know we're closing out our coming of age month um which has been. Uh, dark and horny, uh, which is the exact two words to describe this movie. Yeah, uh, that we're gonna be talking about. But um, so I was I was kind of trying to think about when was your angstiest time as a teen? Oh man, I had like a a big angst period, uh, like sixth or so grade. Um, I was listening to a lot of new metal. Some of it, some of the music I listened to at the time, I still stand by. Uh, definitely was a big and still am big System of a Down guy. It was a big Rage Against the Machine guy. But then I also was like a disturbed guy and like a hey i mean the one i mean i'm a i'm a new metal fan myself uh i still listen to um corn and static x on yeah on uh on pretty uh heavy rotation and and it, it, you you gave yourself a uh, shit for uh disturbed um i was a big in middle school and early high school 
I was a big Hollywood Undead fan. You know that and doesn't honestly, me, <laughs> does, exactly like that. That actually is totally me. Um, and I still stand by some of their music. They're, yeah. they're, they they got some bangers in there, but um, I, I would say that was probably, uh, of my of my angsty music era. Uh, mm-hmm. probably the cringiest. Yeah. Um, I would say yeah. I would say like seventh eighth grade was when I was at my like angstiest yeah um you know like it uh it, it like it and uh, you know we'll kind of get into it when we get into a movie but um you know seventh eighth grade was just a very like you know like it was just all about like it was all about like trying to be friends with the cool kids and then i also yeah. like you know was like one of the but i was also like one of the few uh, seventh or eighth graders, at least at my school, that like actually like had a quote unquote girlfriend, you know, Ooh, and like it's so, like everybody was like, whoa, like Devon, yeah. he's he's really emotionally developed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess it just depends how you define angst, because like yeah, I definitely in like the junior high, seventh and eighth grade kind of era, definitely was trying to be one of the, the the cool kids, trying to get into the the parties and hang out with like the you know, the, the upperclassmen and stuff like that. But I would say as far as like having like the, I don't give a shit attitude, like listening to your loud music and just like, whatever you got, you guys don't understand me. That was, that was like definitely sixth grade for me. But I would say in this, it's mostly like the angst in this movie. It's not that kind of angst. It's just like dumb kids just doing dumb shit. It's different. It's a very different angst. Uh, I mean, hell, if we're really talking about when I was at my angstiest, I would have been like early college years, honestly. Yeah. That was when, um, you know, nineteen-year-old uh, Devon was feeling a lot of things, aren't we all? Aren't, you know? aren't yeah. we all? Yeah, um, that was sophomore year in college for me. So, uh, the, the, a different kind of angst—that's <laughs> an emotional angst. But, uh, but yeah, in, in in this movie, we don't really have uh, a, a, too much of the kind of you know some some characters in the movies uh, portray the angst differently than others. Um, I would say they're not even maybe the most angsty teens in this movie. There are definitely some other angsty teens. Oh um, yeah, d- uh, I think he said that the one of the one of the school bullies dyes their hair with Kool Aid. I don't know. You you've dyed your hair. I've never dyed my hair before. Is that something that I've you never, ever tried? I've never done the Kool Aid method because one. Uh, it's not good for your hair. I would imagine um, not. It does no. not last. Not very, good for your stomach either. You know? No, doesn't it last very long? Um, Kool Aid method is for people like that's like the cheap way. If you just like want some color in your hair for like two days, because like it really does even like last long. It's huh. it's a mess too. Kool Aid method. Uh, ha- uh, thumbs down from from uh, <laughs> this hair dye enthusiast. But um, but yeah, I've I've been excited to talk about this movie for a hot minute. So let's go ahead and jump into it. Super Dark Times, released September 29th, 2017, directed by Kevin Phillips. It was his directorial debut. Uh, it was also written by Ben Collins and Luke Pyrotrinsky. Pyrotrinsky? Uh, I don't know if that's like, is that, what is that, P- Czech? Is that, P- is that Russian? Putrowski. Putrowski, bless Luke you. Putrowski. Uh, score, <laughs> uh, score from Ben Frost. Cinematography from Eli, uh, Eli uh, Bourne. Wow, I'm just screwing up all the names today. Box office, uh, very, uh, very small return here. It was definitely kind of a, the the indie side of 2017. Uh, just over $33,000 released in only 21 theaters. Uh, although uh, it did not make very much money, it has a very high Rotten Tomato score of 90% with 
48 reviews and a letterboxd average rating of 3.5 out of 5. Uh, so Devon, even though this was not technically your pick, you said that you were going to be picking it uh, anyway, what about uh, this movie made you think that it fit our theme this month? It, this is one of those movies that I don't know where I was at whenever I did watch it for the first time, but it just like really hit me really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like been one of those movies that's just like I've only like until uh, rewatching it for this, like I'd only watched it the one time. Mm-hmm. But even in that one time, I've just thought about this movie quite a bit, like a, a lot of the imagery uh, and the the mood and the atmosphere. Like I'm going to say moody in this episode. I don't know how many times because there is just this uh, this this melancholy like from yeah. the start of the film um, that's just like kind of permeates throughout the film. Um, uh, you know, to tip my hand a little bit uh, in a movie math later, like this movie is the personification of uh, the Nirvana song Heart Shaped Box. Um, that's could what be the I, whole album, to be honest. I mean, know. honestly, yeah. yeah, it could be the whole album. Um, yeah. It, especially not only it being a 90s movie, but just like very much like what this movie feels like. It like feels like you're watching a sad song. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know in the the coming of age elements really stood out to me um because these teens did kind of feel like how i felt uh, mm-hmm. i was a i was a bike kid i don't know if we've mentioned that here on the pod but I was like a bike kid i was yeah. a, i was we're, a, we're from the midwest we're a lot of bike kids we were yeah, yeah we're we're bike kids you know like that you know like so like i'm always nostalgic for a scene you know where it's just you know two two friends bonding over they're just riding their bikes you know talking bullshit and yeah. you know and i thought like, you were going to say something else <laughs> <laughs> two friends bonding over stabbing their their other friend yes on accident. Oh, you know yeah. typical typical <laughs> Team stuff um but yeah i don't know these these kids very much like the way that they talk felt very much like me and my friends like mm-hmm. you know cussing excessively for no reason like right. just to do it um and like everything is just talking about sex and like and and the, the the confidence that they speak about things that they don't know anything about right like something about that just feels very teen to me sure and um, so like it, it just has always gravitated as far as like it very much felt similar to my coming of age uh, in a way. And the way that they use um, like this, this movie is so simultaneously like very bleak and dark, but also very horny. And I find that very interesting on the mm-hmm. way that the story plays out that no matter how dark things are, these kids still have just girls on their mind and like their yeah. regular their regular teen problems still somewhat seem bigger than them trying to cover up a death yeah. at some points, which I find very interesting because it's like, those are, are the things, you know, what is important to you as a teen at that time? And just like kind of way, the way that your brain works. And that's why I'm able to excuse like their ridiculously dumb behavior throughout the film. Mm-hmm. You know, like they yeah. are making every wrong decision throughout this film, but in the where their minds are at this very specific age and the things kind of going around in their life and like mm-hmm. where they live. Yeah. It all like kind of makes sense. It just yeah. like, I can pretty much excuse all the behavior. I'm like, this is what they would do. Like, so yeah. this, this, the sense of realism really sticks out to me. And like at the end of the movie, I'm just like, I'm left very sad yeah. because I'm just like, 
I don't think that the events of the film with these characters like would turn out any other way. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like it's just inevitable and like that's the way it's gonna happen. Like it feels very unfortunate and just like very sad at the end because mm-hmm. of this like realism. So um, it's it's been a, I've been thinking about this movie for quite a bit. So I'm excited to dig in. Um, uh, had you seen this beforehand, right? Yeah, I uh, I I watched this. I was you know a similar age to these boys. I don't know if it actually discloses how old they are exactly. They seem like like sophomores or juniors in high school. Yeah. Um. So I was a similar age. This came out in 2017. Uh. So I was probably uh, 18 at the time. So I was probably a senior in high school. Uh, and I remember watching it with my then girlfriend at the time. Uh. And she was also a big genre fan. But just a different kind of genre movie. This is much more of like kind of a quiet, like you said, melancholic horror movie. It's definitely not as uh, in your face with a lot of the genre stuff, apart from a few scenes here and there. Uh, but she fell asleep. Uh, meanwhile, <laughs> I, I was left really enjoying the movie. Uh, and then she woke up and was uh, the, not a fan of the movie. And she was saying that she fell asleep because she was bored. And I, meanwhile, I was there. I was like, well, I, I really liked it. <laughs> so um, even back then, I really enjoyed this one. So this was a pleasure to kind of rewatch. And I was just surprised at how there were so many things that were just so enriched about me. I remember liking it when I first saw it. But this rewatch, I just even more so really enjoyed it. And it kind of had this new kind of color to it of I just uh you know a, a kind of a trigger warning for a lot of this stuff but this was just had a lot of kind of I couldn't help but think of a lot of like school shootings and things that are happening mm-hmm. and just this idea of a lot of kids nowadays uh in prior generations you know even in the 90, 1990s even though it wasn't as prevalent um but much more so now this idea of that you have this whole generation of kids who are trying to navigate these very human normal things that uh, young uh, men and women go through in in these adolescents of trying to figure out what kind of person you want to be, what friends Mm -hmm. you want to hang out with, what do you want to go to parties? Do you not want to be one of those kind of people? Um, Do you want to date? Do you not want to? Do you like boys? Do you like girls? Like that, this kind of whole um, experience that we all kind of go on uh, in, in our adolescence, suddenly throwing in this tragedy into the mix. And like, how do you navigate these again very normal feelings with such abnormal circumstances happening around them so it's just something that i just found way more potent this go around i don't know if it was just me getting more mature as a moviegoer um or the fact that these school shootings and things are becoming more and more prevalent uh, than they ever were of course and so yeah i just found myself really moved by this movie um thematically but then also the tone as you said this movie feels very this movie has that kind of energy you know, like when you were like when you were younger and you would like be waiting for the bus and like the grass still has like the the dew on it, the morning dew and everything. And you're just kind of waiting and it's kind of hazy outside. This movie just kind of has that vibe. It's got that morning dew vibe to it. Uh, I don't really quite know how to put my thumb on it other than it feels very dreamlike. Uh, there are a number of sequences in this movie that are uh, nightmares. Uh, and I think the movie really succeeds in doing that so yeah i just found this film uh much more potent this go around uh thematically it really works for me uh the energy of it and the the tone of everything i I think is great uh and i also just think it's uh quite upsetting and quite dark so to speak you know oh yeah it definitely delivers on the title and um but you know in response to what you're kind of talking about when it brings up these feelings of the school shootings the that's what makes this watch so interesting that like you know it's set in the 90s and in this film you know these kids they are coming of ages you know 
radically changed by this tragedy mm-hmm. and the tragedy the way that happens is like you know this like very freak accident just yeah. like of all these random little things leading to this moment that you know culminate in this you know very tragic accident mm-hmm. kind of way and it you know and like it, it's very specific you know versus you know but it and it has this effect versus like now it's almost sad that like you know that kids are getting normalized to this kind of thing like in today's age would an accident like this affect kids as hard as it affects these kids you know Mm -hmm. it's hard to say you know um because like kids today are you know like fucking you know classrooms are getting safe rooms being built in the corners now and Mm -hmm. shit like and which is terrible it's horrible yeah and but the fact that like it's just you know Things of this nature are becoming so much more normalized now that, you know, uh, and not to say that, you know, it's not a good thing for kids these days to maybe be a little bit more resilient than uh, kids would have been 20 years ago in the in the face of some of these things. Um, you know, there, there's also that side of the coin as well, but, um, yeah, it's, it's fascinating on, you know, recontextualizing it with like what's going on today and, you know, in juxtaposition with like the, the time period that's happening. Yeah. Um, but this is, uh, you know, this is a, uh, obscure indie, uh, ish movie. So I guess I should attempt to explain it. Yes. And uh, in, as, uh... in case anybody hasn't seen it, if you haven't seen it, obviously go watch it. You should totally watch this film. But we are going to spoil the rest of it. So Yeah, but in order to do that, you have to give our, a 60-second plot synopsis. I think uh, out of a lot of the movies that we've talked about, this is probably the one that you can do the quickest. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, <laughs> curious maybe. to see how you stretch this one out. So, you've got 60 seconds on the clock. Are you ready? I am ready. Let's do it. All right. In three, two, one. Why am I counting myself down? <laughs> Go. Uh, this movie, uh, you know, opens up with a very ominous... Uh, animal running into a school and you know causing a ruckus and uh it's very disturbing and shakes people to their core uh which is what's gonna happen to the main characters of this film josh and zach they're best friends they ride around uh doing bike kid shit and uh you know they're they're homies and then uh there's another kid uh daryl who's kind of annoying but they still hang out with them anyways then the new kid and, uh, you know, they're all hanging out doing their thing. And then, oh, whoops, they're uh, slicing some milk cartons with a katana. And Daryl gets a sword to the neck uh, by Josh. And what happens is the paranoia unfolding between these two best friends as they try to figure out what to do uh, with this tragedy that has occurred. But then also just normal uh, teen stuff like uh, having a crush on the same girl and smoking weed. Yeah, super dark time. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, you know, I didn't even know where to start with that one. Uh, yeah. Is a, is a toughie. It is a toughie. But um, I, I think where you started is probably where we could start is kind of the, the prologue of this movie has the sequence where this giant deer, this buck like breaks into this school. We don't see that, but we kind of see the aftermath of it where it's lying on the ground and a, a pool of blood. Uh, has broken glass everywhere because it shattered, you know, windows getting into this uh, cafeteria or maybe even trying to get out of this cafeteria. Uh, and then the the law enforcement, like, kind of puts it out of its misery. Um, is this go around? Did this uh, prologue have a more of an effect on you since you kind of knew 
you know, what was coming or, you know. um, it, it affected a little bit more since I knew about the movie. I for, totally forgot about the prologue actually. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, no, it sets it up very well and kind of paralleling again, like it, this random freak nature accident thing that happens and, you know, just, um, you know, the, the, you know, impact of, you know, the students, like, you know, a couple of the students seeing when the cop, like, you know, puts it out of its misery. It's like, even that moment is going to have an effect on like anyone that like saw it. So it's like, um, paralleling it with this, uh, you know, impending tragedy. Um, it gives that impending doom kind of feel to the, to the movie to start off with. And what's fascinating, um, you know, that we'll get into when we talk about the end of the film but the the first of the main characters that we see in the film is not Josh or Zach. It's Allison mm. in this prologue. Yeah, and she's, she's the one that the see, one that ends the movie as well. And she's the one that ends the movie, which is another choice that again we'll we'll talk about a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so the this prologue kind of sets up and it feels um kind of similar to um Get Out as well. Whenever they're like on the way to the house and they yeah. like hit the deer. Um, hitting a deer is like always like this, like kind of, uh, loss of innocence, like kind of, uh, representation because deers are supposed to be like these, like kind of innocent, helpless animals mm-hmm. in a, in a way. Um, the invitation also uses this kind of conceit as well right. at the beginning of the film. Yeah. So, uh, it's a motif that I, I enjoy, uh, kind of popping up because it's recognizable, but it's done in a different way here. I like that it is just the aftermath. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and similar to, you know, with this other event later, like uh, nobody knows exactly what goes on. And a running theme of the film is like, you know, people's word of mouth, like of like what they think happened or what they heard happened yeah. instead of what actually seeing a lot of people just hear or the aftermath of the event, whether it be, you know, hearing about that other kid dying yeah, later. So, um, yeah, the the prologue, uh, once you know what's going on, it definitely... um. Uh, hits a little bit more. I also like the idea that not only is it this freak accident, but it's just something that is kind of inescapable for this for this animal that it it has gotten because of this uh, you know circumstances now in this situation trapped in this school and is unable to go out and there really only seems to be one way you know one way out uh for this animal and it's yeah it kind of you know ends their life uh not to say that these these young men didn't really have um any choices in this situation because there are definitely choices that they maybe could have or should have made to kind of alter this trajectory but it still definitely leads down to a path where it's like you're you're the the further that you go down this path you're limiting the amount of choices that you have and the 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 um the outcomes that could you know come out of this and because mm-hmm. of the choices that you've made yeah and and like i said like that inevitability is something that i feel like throughout the film as i'm watching it mm-hmm. and then especially afterwards as well because like you said like yes every uh everything happens due to a certain choice and they obviously could have made different choices that would have affected it, that they should have made mm-hmm. but because of just where they are at in this time of their lives um, the way that, you know, their, their kind of brain chemistry works, like it's inevitable that they're going to make those choices. Like yeah. you even kind of feel that in the, in the first scene, um, whenever, um, whenever we meet Zach and Josh, you know, and they're having their, you know, fun little banter back and forth. Yeah. And then there's like even a moment, like right at the beginning where like, you know, Josh, you, 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 in some of the things that Josh says, you can like already tell, okay, something's a little bit off. 
um, with this kid. Um, he yeah. even like between their friendship, you already kind of see some of the dynamics that he like has to have this like little bit of control or like always trying to impress, you know, and be look the coolest and stuff. Like you literally get a lot of this from their first interaction where you can already tell that like even if it's not what happens with the film like you know them playing with the sword and then you mm-hmm. know uh whatever happening even if that didn't happen it would have just been something else at some point because yeah. it's already kind of there with josh yeah. which i find fascinating and it is something that happens a lot when we do have these national tragedies is you know like with these these uh, often young white men who who carry out these acts is kind of like okay well what went wrong who what parent didn't hug them enough what parent didn't love them enough and there's this real kind of pointing of fingers uh, and that sense of like okay well who is accountable for this and i think that this movie does kind of do an interesting job of kind of having the smoke before the fire so to speak the the kind of first scene is they're looking at a yearbook and they're talking about all of the the girls that they uh, think are cute that go to their school and even some teachers as well uh and when he kind of calls out the 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 main you know love interest in this movie and saying that he would like hook up with her in front of the entire school at like a talent show uh his his friend kind of steps in and is like hey man that's that's kind of out of pocket like why would you know that's no that's we hang out with her she's our friend you know like he he kind of checks him a little bit oh yeah and there's some stuff later on in the movie um in regards to um his brother being in in you know the military and there's definitely like this kind of foreshadowing that maybe if this hadn't have happened, that's a path that he would have gone down as well. And that kind of idea I think is really interesting. The movie kind of just like, it doesn't fully address it, but it just kind of touches it and then leaves. I think that's just really interesting the way that they Mm -hmm. just kind of uh, propose that. But yeah, there is this real, and it's very common in young men. And I think it's why it's so um, important to kind of, talk about these things and nurture this kind of uh, or not nurture but i guess you know address this sort of behavior in young men is this this toxic masculinity Mm -hmm. uh, and this thing that is very pervasive uh, among young men um and i think that this movie really addresses it in a way that i also want to add like yeah it's in the 1990s and yeah there are certain words and phrases that some of these young men probably did say in this time period but this movie doesn't have them say uh, you know certain slurs or uh mm-hmm. you know really affect uh, really um offensive language beyond just you know swearing a lot because that's what young kids do um but i i appreciate that that yes this movie did it, you know takes place in the 1990s and people did talk very differently back then uh, but i'm glad that this movie just doesn't beat you over the head with just a shit ton of offensive language like that would have been really difficult to kind of engage with but i think this movie sidesteps oh yeah in no, an interesting way. it's just fuck a lot like oh, yeah they, they, i have no problem with that but they, when you start to throw slurs in there it's like okay, okay oh guys. yeah because <laughs> you know it's it's not needed for this movie no. and and one thing that's interesting because you mentioned you know uh josh has this like you know lack of he idolizes his brother that's not there though and you know has this influence over him and if you notice between josh and zach neither one of them have their dads around nope uh, both of them, just their moms, and they don't talk about it either, um, which I find fascinating mm-hmm. um, in a way of like kind of like you said, like, you know, like obviously between the two of them with their emotional development, it just kind of goes to show you it's like, you know, Zach is a little bit more emotionally inept to be able to, you know, grow up and like kind of 
be able to be okay yeah versus you know josh like you said like with you know some of his influences and the way that he thinks yeah. uh, you you can tell it's like you know he would greatly benefit from having a male uh, uh influence around well and I, I think he probably did it was probably his brother like yeah. if, if his if both of their dads left like who fills this kind of who who fills that father kind of role, so to speak? And in his case, it seemed to be his brother. But mm-hmm. in the other case, it seemed to be his mom. And he does kind of have this a little bit more of a nurturing side. And there is even this. I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly what the phrase is, but he says, I think he's, I think they're talking about like the sunrise or the sunset or something. And he describes it as like it looking really pretty. And his friend kind of checks him on it. He's like, it looks really pretty. Like he says something, I, I, I don't remember if it is exactly the sunset. Maybe you remember, but they're having this conversation and he just kind of remarks how something looks nice uh, and he kind of like makes fun of him for it. So there is this kind of this uh kind of uh difference between the two of them of of this idea of maybe being a little bit more sensitive the other one seems to be the more macho like well yeah but it's like they they kind of do this throughout the movie with these like little exchanges and it's like zach you know appreciates things for just the way that they are Mm -hmm. like he will just like kind of state like a random thing he heard you know and like just like kind of like say it versus josh is more about him defining things right uh, in his own way like um i for i forget what it is that they're talking about but um like zach says something about like you know uh something um can only do something once it hits its maximum velocity and then josh goes i have no maximum velocity (laughs) he goes my my power is untethered and my power is ever growing and like just even in those like responses like that um, you know, in it, it, it goes throughout the movie too. Like whenever Josh is, uh, convincing himself that he's become a drug dealer now because yeah. he's, uh, given two people bags of weed and now he, uh, that he stole from his brother. That he yeah. stole from his brother, and then they go, "Oh yeah, your guy is awesome." He goes, "No, I am the guy." And it's like, <laughs> okay, all you've done is you literally yeah. haven't even made any money off of this. You have been just giving weed away. You're actually a terrible <laughs> weed dealer. Yeah. So it's like even. You know, it's all about what he defines things as. Um, And, um, you know, and it goes that way with um, uh, the way that they both talk about Allison. Like you said, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Zach is, you know, like, you know, he talks about her like she's a human being, you know, and stuff. And like that, like they they like kind of like i don't know like it's like they were like having this competition of you know who has the bigger crush on her Mm -hmm. and like and what they do you know and um you know throughout the movie zach doesn't have to do anything fucking allison is the one making all the moves like towards him right you know and and he's able to just be like you know like appreciate her like as you know like he just wants to hang out with her right just like you know like simple stuff versus josh is just like oh i need to be cool and like give her all these things and then also you know and like but i'm also gonna fuck the shit out of her like it's just like bro yeah yeah chill but it's funny that a lot of these conversations this could just be like any old coming of age movie but it's interesting that it is it isn't a genre movie and the catalyst for kind of this rift that forms between the two of them is this terrible tragedy and this this death of their friends that although yes was an accident it's still 
it's kind of sparks out of like these young men who are just like bickering and just angry at each other, just posturing and all of these things that are just super prevalent. And oh, yeah. Men. I mean, it, it again, it's like all out of uh, out of hubris, you know, in a way, like because it's all these like little things that are building up with Josh, you know, so it's like they start off like again, like they're going through his brother's things, his brother's room, because again, like this is uh, Josh, you know, idolizes his brother so this is the coolest thing he could do you know like this is him like trying to just be the coolest like hey look my brother's got all these things right my brother's so awesome um and like yeah so it like starts off with like one kid sees the weed and he's like your brother's not gonna be back for like years like i'm yeah. sure you forgot about it like it's chill but like josh yeah. acts like it is so important like no it's my brother's weed and he will notice and, I'll, and he will be so mad it's like you know, because everything involving mm-hmm. his brother is like, you know, up to the the highest degree. So it's like he already has that association. And then he divert diverts it by introducing the, the katana um, that they're going to go slice up milk cartons with. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this is uh, bringing bringing the, the kids joy. And it's like, you know, it's a fun little moment. Love the like. Uh, I love the few times where they like uh, slow down like certain moments and. Because they they don't use the score a ton, but mm-hmm. when they do, they use it very effectively. Yeah, and I love like the way that they like kind of frame these like very small moments, um, and make them seem just like you know what they feel these moments as like you know like where it's them just like having a random Tuesday afternoon after school, but it's like but that one day after school, you remember that time we had that sword and we were cutting <laughs> milk cartons like that's that's a big thing for them. So it's like I love the way they like kind of frame frame this like leading up to the scene but um so let's talk about daryl um before his before we meet his demise uh daryl 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 (laughs) daryl because again i've been i i know that kid in in your friend group that is like kind of slightly weird and a little annoying and you kind of don't like him but like you also like feel bad on like not bringing him along and like hanging out Oh, Cal. Oh, Cal. What are you doing? You're giving a full hug. Uh, it was funny rewatching this movie because I couldn't remember if it was Daryl or Charlie that died. I was like, I don't. I, 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 could, I, I felt like it was Daryl, but I was watching this and I was like, oh, Daryl sucks. I was like, it's definitely going to be Daryl. Well, yeah. And, and again, it's like that. Uh, and the the re that I find it interesting that like you know he's the one that they choose to for the tragedy, but like it makes sense because it's like also like. It, it wants you to all like I don't know not it it we see it later like when there's the moment like whenever they find out that like uh, he's missing and then yeah. the word of mouth is going around then like kids are like oh, he's super weird yeah he's yeah. super weird he sucks Cal yeah not that like not that him being the annoying weird one like uh makes you any less sympathetic towards Daryl but it's like just to, like kind of add in that that like slight moral wrinkle uh between the group you know because like again like so it's like uh, so it's like daryl they already don't want him there and then daryl is the one you know messing with the weed Mm -hmm. and they steals the weed later and is like smoking it uh when they're playing with the sword he's the one that like diverts the attention away from josh and the sword because he's over on the side like smoking a joint to himself and like (laughs) and guys i do not 
condone the representation of weed in this movie <laughs> and and it's and it's a uh, catalyst uh, to to in this movie um but no it's it's very funny like the way that they like every everything about the way that um that weed is used in this movie and like, like does it go bad <laughs> is he even gonna know? <laughs> it was really funny yeah yeah the, the oh, it's man. very young men kind of yes. uh, attitude of just be again having this idea of like oh you know everything and you're mm-hmm. you're tough as nails but uh you just have no clue what you know you're, no. what anything that you're talking about it's just all posturing yeah so like in just everything that this the the way that this scene uh works out though is like you know so it's like josh gets upset that he has the weed and then um and then turns into it goes from that into whenever they're like kind of bickering and daryl mm-hmm. goes to leave and then josh pisses daryl off by like calling him out for like where he lives yeah and like calling out his like um you know his like class state essentially which mm-hmm. is um totally forgot and uh, which is it, it, i love how that his burn is that daryl lives in a duplex right <laughs> like is that the worst you got i've lived in many a duplex <laughs> um uh, but so i i find that hilarious yeah. and um but you know so it's like that's what like kind of like really uh fires daryl up more and daryl's running around with this because uh, first daryl had the sword uh, in his hand whenever they like got into it like whenever josh didn't want him smoking the weed mm-hmm. so like first daryl is antagonizing back but then um again like whenever uh daryl like sucker punches josh in the back of the head which hilarious like yeah. he, you see him like running down the hill in the background and then just like barrels him in the back of the head yeah um you know so it's like sucker punch not cool but then it's like Josh's responses. He gets sucker punch and grabs the sword. It's like, okay, like, what what are you doing here? Yeah, well, it's it's even though it is an accident, I think that there is kind of this clearly, you know, a deeper thing mm-hmm. going on with with Josh in this movie. And I did want to know, uh, Charlie Tahan, uh, who who portrays Josh, is uh, he does such a terrific job. Charlie was also in uh, Ozark. It's like one of the lead characters in oh. that show, and he's really great in that as well. I'm not gonna spoil anything about this newest season. If if anybody still does, it, do people watch Ozark anymore? I don't know. It just ended. Apparently. I just it just ended, and I uh, I enjoy that show. But he's really terrific uh, in that show. So I had kind of forgot that he was in this, and so rewatching it, I was like, oh shoot, there stays he is. In his, yeah. Stays in his Midwest bag. Yeah, he's got crazy. he's got like big anime kid energy. You know, like he, oh, he would 100 yeah. percent Naruto run to class. Like there's you know not Charlie <laughs> Josh like the the the, mm-hmm. the character would definitely run to class with his with his sword and he would he'd be on amazon buying like you know ninja stars and all that kind of stuff he would get really into it for sure (laughs) yeah and just the fact that like yeah like his like you know the the fact that he's you know not his first instinct to defend himself is like yeah to like actually wield the sword at somebody is like you know it's just like yeah again it's like already kind of hinting at something that's like already kind of going on inside of him yeah uh, just, just the way that it all goes down, you know, they like kind of have this skirmish and then the sword ends up in Daryl's neck as it does, you know, uh, as, as it does. And then it's so uh, quick too. that shot where it actually goes in there. It's like, I'm sure it's a budgetary thing. They can't have this super elaborate, oh, but it's piece. like a blink and you miss it. But I think almost. it's super effective too. Cause it like, it kind of reflects how the characters are, you know, feeling in this moment. It was just it, like, Oh, it just happened so fast. It like was just this thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, not like he like, you know, impales him. It was just, he just fell down and he fell on it, you know, it, 
but it really is this blink and you miss it kind of ac- uh, accident, and it's super super effective. And then he runs mm-hmm. into the woods and he's bleeding, and he, oh, oh just, man, it's it's so like so upsetting. <laughs> yes, because um because of course then like after because after he's stabbed in the neck. They they do the thing that you know they they always tell you and this is here's the thing people you do not remove the 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 impalement object do yeah. not remove yeah. it because yeah. that's what's keeping the blood if you remove that you will they'll bleed out like yeah so and you Charlie's one contribution to this whole ordeal because there is that new kid Charlie that's just like hanging around yeah. And he's, he literally goes, don't remove it. And he goes, don't take it out. And then Zach is like, no, no, I'm going to take he it out. He goes like full out. on King Arthur and is like completely yanks this thing from his neck. Like with the, with so much confidence that this is like the right thing to do. And I was just like, oh, well, yeah, you just killed your friend there. So. And just like, I don't know, the, the whole realism of it just like felt just so crazy. Because like, and then Daryl just like, he's in shock. So it's just first instance to take off running. So you just have this imagery of fucking daryl like just gushing blood out of his neck running around um is just like it's unsettling it's so it is just very upsetting but you know if you've listened to enough episodes of this podcast you know that i'm all for for the children deaths you know because death comes for everyone age does not matter yeah and and daryl sucks and and daryl does suck but um but yeah the, the whole thing is just like uh, just like kind of like you know because I've had as a teen again like I've had those like kind of what the fuck moments you know of yeah. like but but it's like more simple of like oh my god we like fucking you know we we put a hole through this window because we were throwing rocks around sure. or something you know sure. s- stuff like that and like so it's like even like you know moments like that like I know of like like that you know that that heart um uh, stopping moment or like um it, do you know the specific shame of when you you and your your friends you know you you to stop you right there no <laughs> they don't have friends devon it's just this podcast <laughs> um when when you're uh when you're doing some shenanigans and you go decide to hit up a walmart you and yes. your group of friends. Oh yeah, I and was then, from a, a town that had nothing to do so besides you, go to Walmart. And, and you go to you you hit up a Walmart, and then there's always one kid in the group that wants to be so cool, so he steals something. Yeah. And then on the way out, he gets caught. And now Ooh. all of you guys are caught. You know that feeling, like that yeah. kind of oh shit moment. Yeah. That, I, I, like, I went to school with a lot of kids that would like jump in the ball pit and like do a bunch of crazy shit like that and vandalize stuff. You know, I'm I'm of the opinion I don't give a shit. You can steal from Walmart. I don't care. Like, mm-hmm. do whatever you want. Just don't vandalize stuff because then some poor guy's gonna have True to. That. You know, they're gonna have to mess. You know, clean up the mess and everything. But, uh, but, but yes, I do know the kind of the hooligans, uh, and the uh, uh the 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 ne'er do wells that you were you were talking about. Yeah, Walmart was a big one. Um. Uh, and then we had a bunch of like, uh, like county fair kind of stuff. Those were the spots for like the little, uh, the little hoodlums in my, in my area for sure. Yeah. But, but again, it's like this, this is like that magnified, like, oh shit moment of just like, you know, what is happening? What are you going to do? And, 
And again, it's like, obviously the easy answer is just like, Hey, go tell someone you tell them it was an accident. Well, you are a teenager. You're going to be fine. But of course they don't, they don't think any of this, like, because that's not how teenager brain works. Well, I I think it's a good point because I had seen some people, um, uh, just talk about this movie because I had, you know, um, I, I just looked at some of the other uh, Letterboxd uh, users as well. Some of my friends who were like just commenting about this movie and a lot of people were just like, hey, it's just a group of dumb kids. Like, why wouldn't you go to the police? Why wouldn't you do this? Why wouldn't you do whatever? And it reminded me of what Cameron was talking about when we were talking about It Follows and he was just exactly. like, it's not a plot hole. It's like, it's not even a character hole. Because it, it's they're dumb fucking kids, and they're they've we've already established yeah we've yeah, we'll watched them are. do dumb shit the entire movie, and then they do a dumber thing, and then they you know double down and just continue to do dumb shit. Like of course they're not going to have this realization of of you know coming clean, and of course they do like at the very end of the movie, and it's when it's too late. Exactly. But yeah. That and yeah. So that that kind of argument. Never exactly. Really it's not a part for me, and it's not a character hole either. You know, it's like it is in line with what we have established them as and again like that's just how teenager brain works like it it does make sense that because again like yeah that's that is the simple answer to this movie and like if you do that there is no movie you know like and that is what you know creates this inner turmoil that they have to deal with that they have to grapple because even though it is a simple decision this is the most difficult decision they've had to make in their life up to this point yeah you know yeah and i i think i don't know what it is but like the way that this whole whole uh the, the kind of the aftershock of this uh this tragedy is almost more affecting than the tragedy itself for me and the way it's presented there's this really creepy dream sequence later in the movie where I don't know what it is, but I just find it so uh, unsettling that like in this dream sequence, he wakes up and he just asks his mom what time it is like four times in a row. Don't know what it is. Devon really unsettled me. Thought it was really weird. It's and the creepy. way that he says it the exact same Super way. monotone. Well, like, uh, like not monotone, but like he, he it's yeah, just it the is exact like, same yeah. delivery. Yeah. And like, I notice it and like, yeah, something about it is very unsettling. And, and that dream sequence is, you know, very fascinating in itself because you know, it also establishes like kind of the the arc that Zach is having and dealing with because right after this tragedy happens, after you know Daryl goes and the boys all go their separate ways to mm-hmm. go home. Yeah, fucking Zach goes home, and of of course on all nights of right. any night, uh, his crush Allison is just waiting at his house, just chilling. You know, because she she went by his house and wanted to see him. So it's like, of course, on the worst day of his life, yeah, you know, he is now experiencing like finally this thing that yeah. he's been dreaming about, you know, it's like, oh my yeah. God. Like, I'll tell you what though, he doesn't fumble the bag, you know, he ends up, he ends up getting kissed, ends up, yeah, uh, she has feelings for him. She definitely puts in the legwork for it. He's just there like crying about his quote unquote hand, his broken hand, mm-hmm. uh, classic, I fell off my bike kind of story, but you know. I, well, cause I, yeah. And I, I do love this, this scene, um, the, the, the movie really captures that, that adolescent, you know, that, that feeling of like you know like in this in this moment like even though it's like again he's just had the worst thing happen but in this moment like he is not even thinking about that like because he's you know thinking about allison now and and this is one of the greatest almost kisses in a movie for Mm -hmm. me Mm -hmm. like i really love like you know she wants the kiss and he like you know he turns away but then they like just rub faces for a moment and like 
I remember like, you know, even as a teen, like even that is just like enough. Like I think, that, I think a like, face rub is a little bit more intimate. Like that is know? like, you know, like or just feeling close to someone like yeah. even like. So the the film really does a like r- great job of uh, showing that that feeling of just like, you know, what when you just want to be close to someone at that age is yeah. um, very fascinating. So, yeah, I love that scene. But the way that plays you know, and then so that's the way I read that dream sequence. You know, it's like you have Zach uh, having sex with Allison, like on top of the breathing uh, gravesite of where they left Daryl. Yeah. Um, and the sword is like hanging above head, and Josh is watching from the shadows. Um, kind of you know encapsulates you know the what what he's going through in this you know movie because because of Daryl, you know Daryl the the tragedy happening and then him coming home to Allison those two events like happening like that's like forever you know tethered to you know the the feeling that he gets when he's thinking of Allison yeah but it's also like instantly that reminder of you know what happened yeah. with Daryl so it's like those those two feelings that that feeling of sadness and tragedy but then this also feeling of like extreme uh, attraction are just like kind of forever linked now for him yeah which i find interesting for his character going forward i do wonder if there are some kind of uh, reads on the relationship between the two of them as far as like maybe kind of exploring these queer themes of like maybe things would have played out a little differently maybe one of the friends feels something for the other but maybe it's not kind of reciprocated there i wonder if there is kind of a read on that for this between movie. in between yeah. what Josh and Zach? Yeah, like a little bit there. Uh-huh. No, you don't read it at all. No, I never read it that at all. I read it as like it's that time where you and your friend have a crush on the same girl, you know, and it's like that, like you, you both are feeling the same thing, but you're also feeling it in different ways because mm-hmm. you are different people that see people in different ways. Um, so I mean, I kind of always like it's just like kind of exploring that idea and yeah. this like kind of. Um, you know, this competitive nature that Josh has and like that you can like kind of sometimes have with your, your friends in that moment. Um, but I just kind of always read as no, they just kind of like the same girl. I think that's the first uh, thought that I have too, but maybe just exploring it and maybe like from it, you know, I wonder if if other people think this is this idea of like, maybe Josh had feelings towards Zach and then they weren't reciprocated. So maybe Josh is kind of like, oh no, I'm interested in the same girl too. And like, he's maybe trying to create this sense Mm. of jealousy or something like that. Again, I I think your reading is kind of what I go to more naturally. but um, it, who knows? I mean, because it, that I mean, it's a different kind of I mean, it's a different kind of love, you know, like mm-hmm. it, it's, you know, this very specific platonic love that like, you know, they don't they don't mention it. But with their rapport and the way that they talk about like past times, like you can gather that they've been friends for a long time. Yeah. You know, and that they're very close and like have this very you know, specific friendship and the idea of you know when you do have that crush and like it's like someone that is bringing your friend more happiness than you are you know when you're used to bringing your friend that much happiness yeah um yeah there is still a jealousy there in a way sure. and it is still a love in a way but i i still feel it as you know it is still that very platonic love but like even but like you know as teenagers like your friendships are even more intense as well Mm -hmm. you know it's not just like your feelings 
that you have, you know, uh, you know, sexually or romantically for other people. But like even your friendship feelings are that much more intense. Yeah. And I think it is something that even though it's kind of amplified because of this tragedy, I do think it is exactly. something that is very relatable of as far as like when you get older, some of those friends that you had when you were younger, you maybe kind of drift apart a little bit. And you're as you develop as becoming an adult, you know, your your relationships just evolve as well. Uh, and uh, no, I've never had any of my friends, you know, attack me with a katana and cut the top of my head which again super visceral just really simple but very upsetting uh even though it's obviously amplified as i said i think i still think it's super relatable yeah because you know and and again like this is the the difference of the way that they're taking the tragedy because like you know zach is kind of dealing with the the moral implication the way he feels about it Mm -hmm. um the fear that he kind of has of josh at this point and um you know all these all these things and the way that it's affecting him versus the only thing that josh is concerned with he's not even concerned with the fact that he killed a kid uh he's just concerned that zach's not talking and hanging out with him anymore yeah you know, like that's like, you know, what the the importance to him in the whole situation. Um, so it is it is interesting the the way that they like kinda go throughout this, you know, we kinda see Zach is like making himself sick in a way, like because he can't sleep and then, yeah. like all these things, versus like Josh is just like just hi- ignoring it and like, you know, hiding away and like, you know, like it's uh you know, the showing the maturity the difference between the two of them and the way that they like handle this whole situation for sure so so let's talk about allison here a little bit um because she is also a very important character for this film uh in many ways and i like the way that her character does unfold more throughout the film um she isn't just there to be the object of their two's affections um, as we kind of see, like, you know, the way that her character reveals herself to Zach throughout the film. And there's, like, even a moment of, like, there's a moment where, you know, you kind of see a different side of her. And then it's, like, you know, she kind of checks Zach on, like, well, you've kind of had this expectation of me. But, like, this is also actually me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I really like the way that her character is uh, very three-dimensional in that way. Um, and, like, you know, when she's consciously making choices you know herself throughout the film you know it's not again Mm -hmm. it's not like she's never the ob just the object of their attention it's you know well josh talks about her in one way and zach obviously has feelings about her but like she's the one that is like no i'm choosing to you know decide where and who i put my attention towards and Mm -hmm. um the way i feel throughout the film and uh i really i really enjoy her yeah, and I think it's also this idea of you when you are a young person, you have a crush on somebody, you kind of have a crush on sort of the idea of the person and like 100%. this idea of like who you think that they are or you, that who you even want them to be. And then once you start to kind of know them a little bit more, that's, you know, like like anybody like that, that is what decides whether or not this person is kind of a, a fit for you. And it does seem like. Josh really likes her for uh, or uh, Zach really likes her for the person that she actually is, where Josh kind of just likes her for what he wants to see her as or what he wants to use her as. Um, I, I think it's a, it's a really interesting uh, again, like it, it's amplified uh, and it's obviously a little bit more the, the catalyst for everything is, is more dramatic. But I think it is something, you know, super relatable for sure. Yeah. I mean, this this movie 
um, does something really great. Um, you know, in today's film film world, we talk a lot about you know the female gaze or the male gaze and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, this film does uh, the teenage gaze Ooh. very well. Um, uh, it, it, like because the 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 movie, aside from that dream sequence, mm-hmm. isn't uh sexual. Like it very much has like still this like kind of young. Uh, innocent feeling to um this uh this like you know very but it's still a very primal desire in a way mm-hmm. um and i love how they have scenes where they shoot allison and it's like zach kind of watching her like uh, the way that they do it and uh, it's funny between the two different instances between them because like you know we get the flashback story that josh tells about her like spilling glue on her hands and it's like yeah. You know, op for you know, obviously because it like looks like come he even tells you. <laughs> sure, you know? sure. Um, but but then with Zach, it's like so much more pure. Like it's literally just like there's one scene where it's just like her putting her hair up in a ponytail, and mm-hmm. it's like filmed. Uh, you know, in the with it's all very hazy looking and like in slow motion, just like uh, just like looks like, you know, for this moment, like time is like stopped because he's yeah. literally fixing on her just like doing the simplest of things, you know, mm-hmm. because like those are like, like the little things that matter to him. And like, uh, and I really love how the film kind of captures that feeling, you know, that you have whenever you're a teen. Um, I think it does a great job of that, um, yeah. capturing again, like this, uh, kind of teenage gaze of it all. Yeah. And I think to kind of wrap up my, my final thoughts on things is just like, I think this movie as a whole is in what's so great about the horror genre. And I think that this movie really encapsulates a lot of it is that it is able to approach real world relatable issues or just, you know, uh, conflicts that arise in a lot of our lives, but it approach it in a way that is heightened, uh, that makes it kind of a little bit more digestible or just approaches it in a, in a unique or an interesting way that makes us confront these, these difficult truths or these harsh realities of growing up. And, you know, when you reach that age where you've kind of drift apart from childhood friends and lifelong friends and you decide the kind of man that you want to be or the kind of person that you want to be and who you want to hang out with. Do you want to do drugs? What kind of, you know, a uh, person do you want to develop and, and, and become? And how can these ideas of, you know, masculinity and a lot of these issues that kind of plague young men nowadays uh, and hopefully not forever, but uh, definitely nowadays. Um, I, I, I think this movie addresses it in a really compelling, unique way, but also in a really visceral way. This movie just yeah. as a genre film is just really uh, unsettling and dark uh, as the title would, would have you believe a uh, lot of effective uh, set pieces in this one too. Um, yeah. This was one that I just thought really, uh, found to be more, you know, uh, engaging, impactful on the uh, upon a rewatch. Uh, I hadn't seen it since it first came out, but I was uh, really glad to revisit this one. And I think this really does uh, fit this month perfectly for kind of the coming of age because it approaches a lot mm-hmm. of the elements that you know uh, young people face when they are coming of age. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's faced it in a way like it's kind of done in a way of. Uh, that we've seen in all the films that we've talked about throughout the month. I feel like this was a pretty good capper to end it on in that, you know, we're, we're watching the, this uh, coming of age and it's like the way that this tragedy affects them. But at the same time, like everything else, like everything that really happens in the movie are all the things that happen around the tragedy. 
like the tragedy itself, like even though it is fucking terrible and like mm-hmm. it does affect them uh, in certain ways, um, everything else that happens around it and mixed with that tragedy um, kind of, you know, makes everything just like, you know, hit a little differently. Yeah. Um, um, and the the film does capture that in a, in a very beautiful but also very sad way of um you know again like even if something like this tragedy didn't happen you know something else would have happened that you know eventually would have kind of driven uh, a wedge between these two and like mm-hmm. because you know it is kind of just like one of those things that's like yeah you can tell they're close like you can tell that they are two friends that are like we're very close growing up and stuff but like do you see these two being friends like as adults most likely not you know because they're just kind of gonna their pathways are gonna go just in very completely different ways Mm -hmm. so it's like hard to like kind of see um it happening any other way um but the way that does unfold though you know like it's just the paranoia between the two of them and zach is like kind of getting fearful of josh and uh josh you know feels like okay if i don't need to be acting weird then i just need to like you know start acting like cool or i'm gonna do these things that like you know all the things that he does seem just to intentionally bother zach like yeah. oh you don't like weed so I'm gonna act like I sell weed now yeah. oh you have a crush on Allison so I'm gonna try to impress Allison also and kill her you know and also try to kill her which man that the fucking finale I forgot how fucking yeah. creepy and unsettling yeah the the scene is where you know again um I love the parallels of at the beginning them two riding bikes together mm-hmm. and like you know having good times versus at the end you have Zach riding his bike on his own like yeah. rushing to like try to stop Josh I love the parallel between those scenes mm-hmm. um but then when he like shows up at the house and he's like trying to figure out what's going on and like you and you see how it was um you know gonna go down like you know Josh shows up at the girl's house um allison and uh megan are like hanging out and he shows up and we know he has the fucking sword so we already know it's about to be bad like whatever is gonna happen and then so it's like we already know what's what's bad we see the way that josh is interacting like so it's like they they really build it up in a way Mm -hmm. and then whenever uh zach does get there and then he you know walks in and he like opens the door we don't see anything and we don't understand what's happening, but it's just so unsettling because yeah. of the buildup to that moment already that like, like Zach literally just opens the door and it's like, all you see is like a half naked body on the bed. Uh, one, uh, and then, uh, Josh has like Christmas lights tying up something. And then you hear like Allison whimpering in the corner and then like Josh, like, and there's blood on the mirror. Yeah. And then Josh like runs and closes the door. So it's like you don't even know what he's actually doing to them, but uh-huh. it is just awful. Like whatever between those pieces and the way that they built it up, yeah, you just like kind of already know. But then they didn't need to. Like um, the I love the editing throughout this film for sure. Uh, is very effective in that way. So yeah, also a Christmas movie. Also yeah, also a Christmas movie for some reason. Because I remember the the kind of chilly feel it has to it. 
but I thought this was a fall movie and I mm-hmm. couldn't remember if this was like a Halloween or maybe I was like, or is it maybe Thanksgiving time? But no, it's totally Christmas. I don't movie. know. True Midwest vibes though. Right. You know, oh, man. this like, is, you want to talk about December, but it's also like 45, 50 degrees outside. But then the next day it'll be, you know, uh, a complete, you know, blizzard outside. This that is typical Midwest. This vibes. is, this is so Midwest. Like this, this is definitely Midwest representation. I can get behind. Like this <laughs> is, sure. this well, is, well, well, well <laughs> Aside from you know killing your friends, uh, not not that part. Just but, purely the weather. But uh, the 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 atmosphere, the vibe of it all. Um, and then and again, like uh, we end the movie, uh, not with either of the boys, like because we, uh, you know, after Josh tries to kill Zach, um, you know, and that yeah, with the the cast and the sword to the head was like really great, and that look, yeah. That, um, I love that look that Zach gives and like whenever he's literally just like, dude, we were friends. Like, yeah, like look down like, dude, like what the hell are you doing? Like literally two weeks ago, we're talking about who we fucking would fuck in the yearbook. And now you're literally trying to kill me. Like, like How the just tables like have turned yeah? that, that that sincerity like it, it really felt like uh the paul rudd <laughs> look at us look at us who would have thought? thought but <laughs> but like the sad version of this like geez who would have thought man like yeah. uh it, it's it's very sad and then i like how um we do you know end the movie with allison rather than the boys because it's like well we already know what's happening with the boys they're going to prison um it's yeah. not gonna be good oh, yeah. uh and it's and I'm glad that we don't really, um, you know, the that the movie kind of, you know, a lot of the times you forget about the victim of it all afterwards, like, you know, and you end the movie of like, you know, what happened? And mm-hmm. even though, uh, you know, in a way, Allison is kind of the protagonist and this is also a coming of age for her because like one, not only do we, you know, see her explore her feelings for Zach and uh you know the freedoms that she wants to do like you know smoking and whatever um but it's also you know how this event is shaped her now like Mm -hmm. you know she doesn't even have all the context of like everything that happened with the boys it's almost like we were getting context on this event that was going to happen to her yeah like josh's and zach's whole story was just context for her story in a way Mm -hmm. of like okay how is she gonna go on now after this uh, traumatic event that she had absolutely no hand in herself, yeah, you know, but little did she know that, you know, what part she played in the events of leading up to that. Yeah. I find it fascinating. And then that way, and then we end the film with her being like, Oh, she went back to school and she's going to continue on her life, you know, um, you know, living with this, with these scars and, uh, I found that a very interesting way to end it. Yeah, and I think it was also interesting. There's like a young man behind her who does also seem like you know a and he another is young next... angsty kid, and he's kind of looking at her, and it, you see, he's more looking at. Mm-hmm. He, it kind of stages it as like maybe he's leering after her, but it, then it's kind of like oh, he's looking at these scars in the back of her neck, which with neck which and she you know covers up. But it does kind of propose of like. This this next person coming along and and looking or and kind of fawning after this this yeah, other young and, girl so yeah yeah and like her you know lusting after her what how is that gonna play out for him you know what choices is he gonna make and is that, he also gonna stab his friend yeah it's a it's a very fascinating ending um for for context Tyler hated it uh at the end or he didn't like the ending he goes he's like oh that's a fucking terrible ending um but I actually liked it um I actually liked it quite Tyler a bit. your roommate yeah. 
Yeah, nah. he he was watching it and um and he he did not like the ending of it. But I don't, I, I, my friends didn't either. I think I was looking at their letterbox scores of this and they did not like the ending. And I I was kind of like, why? Again, I, think it's I nice. will say yeah. it, it. I like it. I just don't like the way because it. I don't know the they. It didn't feel smoothly uh, transitioned. Uh, into it at at the end like an epilogue to me yeah you got a prologue you got an epilogue yeah like in a way i mean even though we do know what happens to josh and zach i guess i still would have liked a little bit more of a um you know hoping that justice is brought against josh because like uh the 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 like way that they like look at each other at the end of the uh movie when they're both in the back of different cars and they like yeah. look at each other uh very haunting um but yeah i don't know i i, I did want kind of a smidge more from the ending um because i i had originally given this movie a five stars um i'm gonna take it down to four and a half out of four and a half out of five katanas of course uh, for for this one for mm-hmm. me um again the the moodiness the atmosphere of it all just works so well there's like very quiet moments as well that you you know just uh this is a a movie you can just really seep into like i watched this at like 11 at night which was like kind of the perfect time to watch it yeah and uh you you kind of just like seep into it and again like you're you're watching this movie and you feel this overwhelming sadness throughout the film not only because of like what you're what you're watching unfold but the fact that you're like watching it knowing that like it kind of felt inevitable yeah. um adds this extra tone to it um that um again i don't know like this is um a, a really a good way of like doing a bleak movie on where you can have it be bleak and melancholy without it being like overwhelmingly like soul crushing. Yeah. Um, I guess. Um, and yeah, but the, the coming of age elements just work so well. I think it feels very real. It feels very authentic. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, and the performances, um, uh, uh all around are, uh, really great as well. Um, Owen Campbell, who has been in, uh, a few other genre films as of late. Um, he was in two big ones already in this year with X, and um, also um, what was the other one? It has a long title that I actually enjoy. Uh, My heart can't beat unless you tell it to. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a movie that both of us should have watched uh, before the Incinerator podcast because it is a pseudo vampire movie. Ah. Um. Um. I think I should have watched a lot of vampire movies before that podcast. You should have. You should have. <laughs> Good times. Um, but yeah, um, he's been in uh, quite a few uh, genre movies that are really good. Um, he was also in uh, The Miseducation of uh, Cameron Post with yes. Chloe Grace Moretz. Um, mm-hmm. A nice little indie film. Uh, he's a he's a nice little actor. I, I really like. Um, he he brings a lot of he brings up a lot of emotion and these like very sad eyes of him. Yeah. Um, he is kind of a sad boy in all the movies that he's in. I've realized, uh, but Hey, uh, I, I, I really like him. I think yeah. he's great. Yeah. If this, you guys haven't, um, obviously if you've listened this far, you've probably seen the movie, but if you're, uh, due for a rewatch, uh, this is available on uh, Hulu as well as HBO Mac. No, a uh, shutter. It's on a uh, shutter and Hulu. So, uh, definitely available there uh and you guys should watch this but if you want to see some other movies that you should uh have on your uh watch list or just movies that this film reminds us of we've got a next segment for you (coughs) 
So to close things out, we have our final segment of the show, a little bit of movie math, which is where we make a little equation of films that uh, may have inspired the film or would go on to inspire or just uh, remind you of the movie that uh, we were watching today. Garrett, uh, what, what, what kind of, what's your equation looking like? So I have, um, uh, I think my math problem, although I, I hesitated to put these two movies because they have like a common uh, a common actor in the two of them. I think math-wise, that I, th- does that mean they cancel out or something like that? I don't know. Who cares? Uh, I picked The Perks of Being a Wallflower just because of that kind of coming-of-age uh, that coming of age story of not really feeling like you fit in growing up and trying to fit into this uh, environment, trying to find out the person that you want to be also in the wake of, of, of tragedy. Um, not the biggest fan of the perks of perks to being a wallflower. I don't know if that's a hot take here. Um, mm. But uh, I, I think that there are definitely shades of that uh, in this film, but I'm adding that together with, we need to talk about Kevin uh, because that also is the story of, uh, male rage, uh, and uh, particularly in young men, and how that can uh, manifest, uh, and how uh, this kind of uh, you know wave of of crime and tragedy is just seeping into to nations and affecting kids, you know, all across America. Um, uh, and also, it's kind of approaches it from a different angle as far as it's not you know a firearm; it's a different you know weapon. And and we need to talk about Kevin. It's a bow and arrow as a as opposed to a gun. In this movie, it's a you know a sword. So um, definitely kind of uh, different shades uh, of this film in in each of those. But I don't think that this movie is quite like too many others. Uh, but I think if you take kind of the the again uh, we need to talk about Kevin was a little bit more than melan- melancholy. That movie is like oppressively sad. Um, you take shades of that with of that tone and also some of the subject matter with kind of the 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 guise of a coming of age movie with the perks of being mm-hmm. a wallflower i think that uh, equals super dark times but uh what about you oh yeah i i agree on that equation it's actually uh two very good movies to um put these in as far as uh, the moon stuff um have cried uh, many a times to the perks of being a wallflower great movie didn't like it i watched um, it for the first time i think during the uh the pandemic i read it oh, when i was really? in high school i read the book when i was in high school uh was mm. not a fan of the movie and also didn't like the book either so <laughs> interesting and uh, uh i definitely suspect that we need to talk about kevin will come up on this podcast at some point because it's a it's a film that i very much would love to talk about a downer man it is a downer um so my my um, equation, I got a little bit more going on here. Um, so first movie I want to shout out because I've always said it would be a perfect double feature um, is a film that we talked about um, in the early days of the podcast, which is Boys in the Trees. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, another coming of age about, you know, the differences on like, you know, who you are choosing to hang out with, uh, past friendships, uh, what those mean, and then like kind of um, impactful tragedies, the way those um, impact your coming of age. Uh, you should definitely go back and listen to that episode because I had the director of that movie on and um, we had uh, some really great uh, conversation, uh, some really intimate memories and um, obviously a lot of things of um, you know what he was thinking behind that film. Yeah. So you should definitely go back and listen to that episode, but it's a great film. I watch that film every Halloween, and it also just, uh, it's another set in the 90s film um, as well. So um, a lot of similarities between this and Boys in the Trees. Um, I add that together with uh, White Bird and a Blizzard. Have you seen this movie? It's uh, with Shailene Woodley from 2014. 
I don't um, think so. It's and, not a genre yeah. film per se. Um, it's a like kind of Midwest crime thriller type movie, and it also has um some like kind of dreamy imagery here and there, um, in it. But um, it's like Shailene Woodley's uh, character. She's like a teenager, and um, kind of all these things. It, it kind of mirrors the way that Allison is like on the protagonist in this, except in this one we actually focus on her character because like all these things are kind of happening around her and are shaping her coming of age in mm-hmm. a way. Um, because like in the movie, her like mom disappears, but then like you learn her like mom was like having a affair, and there's like all these things behind it, and then the dad. Um, is like having some like um, yeah like is like secretly gay I think um, typical um, there's just like a whole lot of stuff but it mirrors that Midwest drama feel like it's another movie that just like really gets like the atmosphere of like this like specific uh, like late 90s Midwest vibe yeah um, it's uh, and and also with some of um, the the dreamlike sequences within it uh, kind of similar to this. And then I add that with, I know what you did last summer, because I was trying to think of what's a movie where it's like, again, like, you know, they, you know, have this tragic accident and are having all these moral debates on how to handle it and the way that it is going to shape them, you know, going forward in this pivotal moment of their coming of age, um, I guess, um, yeah, it, it, except I think, you know, I know what you did last summer. They're like kind of all seniors versus in this one, like you said. I think these guys are like 15 because yeah. if they're bike kids and they're still not driving yet. But then Allison, I think, turned 16 because that's how she's able to buy cigarettes. Because yeah. back then you could buy cigarettes at 16. <laughs> the good 18. old days, let me tell you. The good old days. <laughs> um, so I have uh, those three movies added together in parentheses and then you times that by Nirvana um, and that gives you a uh, super dark time. Any album in particular or just the band's vibe? Just, just Nirvana. Just in a flannel general. shirt. <laughs> just in general, uh, an acoustic guitar and a flannel shirt um, covered in blood is is this movie. Yuck. Um, yucky, yucky. But yeah, so that is um, that closes out our coming of age. Uh, pour month. one out for this month. I, I really enjoy talking about these, taking a stroll kind of uh, uh, down memory lane in a way. Uh, lots of different tones, uh, decades even, in some of the movies that we've talked about this month. Uh, but uh, very excited for next month as well. This uh, our theme next month uh, kind of uh, is a is a personal fave of mine. So I'm excited Ooh, to be diving baby. on into this. We are tackling the Predator franchise. Yes. Uh, uh, in, in, in anticipation for the newest film, Prey, which I have ner- uh, heard nothing but glowing know, things about. which uh, makes me very happy. Very excited. I am a starved Predator fan, a uh, huge, huge fan of this franchise, so I'm very excited to uh, dive on into this and share some of my thoughts. I am as well. Um, we haven't covered a franchise uh, for a hot minute. Uh, we, we took a little break after doing two slasher franchises, and now we're hopping back into it, which we're I'm always in. excited for to, you know, kind of... Um, you know, take a look at the, you know, what makes a successful Predator movie. I'm actually a defender of uh, a couple of the later sequels that uh, some people aren't into. 
So <laughs> if you could see the uh, eye squint that Garrett is giving me right now, uh, dude, if you're about to if you're about <laughs> to be in the corner of the predator, we are about to we are going to come to blows. No, in this I'm, podcast. I'm, more, I'm more talking predators. <laughs> oh, I mean, who's not? OK, I'm, I'm I thought you're <laughs> I'm talking predators. A uh, lot of no. people shit on on predators and I'm a big defender. of No, that predators one. rocks. Yeah, um, not to so, spoil our thoughts too early. We've still got no. a couple of weeks, but I, I was about to say, I was like, dude, if you're about to be like talk about the predator right now and, and nothing but you know negative words we're gonna have some issues <laughs> well, well yeah I'm, I'm intrigued to see how that how that episode will go um as well because we will we're gonna cover them all guys uh, we're covering uh um all for the uh uh, currently released Predator movies, and then we will be covering at the end of the month the new movie Prey. Yeah, not so. Alien versus Predator. Frankly, I'll do without. Oh that. yeah, we are not doing the Alien versus Predator movies. Maybe, maybe after we have covered the Alien franchise, and then we'll do the. Maybe we'll do those two as like a. Or actually, probably not. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. We're not gonna cover those. We're things. not gonna do it because uh, they suck. There's my thoughts. Uh, both of them uh, suck. The first one sucks less, but they both suck. I'll say the I'll say the first one actually isn't that bad. Um, I think it I think it's decent. Um, but the thing is, um, how can you talk about those movies when you can't see what's happening in them? <laughs> yeah, I've definitely got my own reasons uh, in relation to like what makes a good Predator movie, but you'll have to uh, you stay tuned because we have uh, all those thoughts and more coming uh, next month. Very excited for that. Uh, but until then, uh, you guys can follow me on Letterboxd, uh, YouTube, uh, TikTok at Garrett McDowell, uh, always talking about movie stuff. Uh, if you guys want to uh, uh, see some more podcast thoughts or hear some more podcast thoughts, uh, I've got a start. Star Wars podcast, Scum and Villainy podcast. Would love to have you over there. Uh, but you, Devon, what are you working on, buddy? I am not working on too much. Same old, same old stuff. You can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at underscore daddy disco. Um, uh, yeah, that's a same, same old, same old talking, talking my shit on movies. Um, I, I might do a TikTok for Nope at some point. We'll see. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, 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 same old, same old, same old. But that'll go ahead and do it for this week's episode of the Blade Blunt Cinema Club. New episodes drop every Tuesday. You can find us on all streaming platforms. Make sure if you're listening on Spotify or Apple, you rate us five stars and leave us a nice little review. And you can follow us on social media at Bloody Blunts Pod on Twitter and Instagram. But until next time, guys. Stay lifted.